Tupac theologian, and I just wanted to sneak in here really quick and say that because Socrates lived in early Greece, a lot of people in his life have ancient Greek names. I pronounce them to the best of my ability, but unfortunately, I'm only human. Or am I? <laughs> Anyways, let's get to the episode. Hello and welcome to the show. I'm your host, the Pocket Theologian, and today we're talking about Socratic philosophy, founded by the very father of philosophy, Socrates. If you're new to the show, allow me to explain. I'm the Pocket Theologian, and here on the show we'd like to take a theological or philosophical idea and explain it in as short a time as possible, hopefully around 10 minutes or so. Today's topic is Socratic philosophy. So, start. So for starters, we'll first break down its history, which will be Socrates' life as the person who created the philosophy, then we'll go over some misconceptions, and then finally we'll summarize and finish up. Be sure to stick around to the end of the show, though, for a sneak peek at what we're talking about next week. Anyway, I see no reason to dilly-dally, so let's go ahead and get started. Socrates was born in the ancient Greek city-state of Athens around 470 BC. Now, listeners, you'll remember from our Plato episode that a lot of the history about these ancient Greek philosophers is hazy at best, due to most of the records we have of them being sources of sources, or people saying they heard it from somebody else. So a lot of the information we have about ancient Greek philosophers is second and third hand. So take these dates with a grain of salt, especially in Socrates' case, which we'll return to in a moment. But for now, Socrates was born to Sophroniscus and Phenaret. Sophroniscus was a stonemason. Socrates is educated in this art by his father and was a mason for several years before devoting his life to philosophy. Now, Socrates also had a wife named Xanthippe, who was called undesirable by some of Socrates' critics, and three sons with hard-to-pronounce names. Sources disagree about how Socrates supported himself after making the switch to philosophy. Some sources say that he got paid for teaching, similar to Aristotle, who taught Alexander the Great. However, others say he deliberately chose not to get paid in line with his own philosophy, and several statements of Socrates pointing to his poverty prove this to prove this conviction. Speaking of convictions, Socrates frequently mocked and challenged the Athenian elite. While some, like Aristophanes, made fun of Socrates right back with some very scathing remarks, including that Socrates had a face that was far too wide for uh, most use. Others weren't too keen. Socrates was accused of corrupting the Athenian youth and chose to defend himself in court. So the way the court system worked back in ancient Greece was that basically the entire city would assemble, or at least all the males above a certain age would assemble in like a great hall, and they would all hear you defend yourself or hear someone defend you and hear someone prosecute you, and then stones would be handed out to each of the people in the arena, and a white stone was that they thought you were innocent, and a black stone thought you were guilty. Or at least according to records of the ancient era, that's what how the court system in ancient Greece worked. A fun fact about the trial though, Athenian law allows a condemned person to propose a secondary punishment. Now most people who in, who took this right usually said they wanted to be exiled as opposed to killed, with the jury deciding if it works or not. Since most Athenians were usually pretty generous, this was a pretty solid bet. But not for Socrates. Socrates said that he should be honored for his contribution throughout all of Athens with statues and honors and all his other things. Naturally, the jury wasn't impressed and sentenced uh, him to die by drinking poison hemlock in 399 BC, leaving a legacy and a Socratic method that has lasted, lasted all these thousands of years. But being so old and famous, naturally Socrates was a little misunderstood. So let's go ahead and talk about some of his misconceptions. 
The first being that Socrates actually existed. Unfortunately, a lot of the material that we have about Socrates is from his students, Plato and a few others. And all of these students use Socrates as a way to voice their own opinions in a fictional format. So a good chunk of the sources regarding Socrates are actually fictional accounts of debates that we know for a fact that he didn't actually have. So unfortunately, we cannot actually say concretely that Socrates existed. Be sure to keep that in mind next time you're talking about philosophy in the, his in the history class. But I leave it up to you listeners, because there's no certain amount of evidence to rule one way or the other that Socrates existed, or he didn't. So, I think it's up to you guys to decide. The second misconception is that he was a thinker, not a fighter. This is completely wrong. Socrates actually served as a hoplite, an armored fighter. So basically, you remember the movie 300? Socrates was one of those guys, but he was for Athens as opposed to Sparta. Now, Socrates, unlike many other philosophers, was not born wealthy and he wasn't a noble, so he was a working man, and because of this he was expected to serve in the military for a period of years in order to actually count as a citizen. This is essential and unexpected of him. Socrates served three campaigns in the First Peloponnesian War, which was a war between Sparta and Athens over which city, Greek city-state was the best. It was a long story. We may talk about that in a later episode here at the Pocket Theologian. But the three campaigns that Socrates is known for a fact to have served at are Delium, Amp Amphipolis, and Pateia. During one of these battles, he saved Alcibiades, a popular Athenian general. Socrates is known for his fearlessness and fortitude in battle, something that he stuck with even outside of his military career. As the previous mentioned episode, he was bold enough to tell the Athenians that rather than persecuting him, they should be thanking him for his role. Socrates was uh, certainly bold throughout his life. The third and final misconception that we're going to talk about today is that Plato was the only disciple of Socrates. This just plainly isn't true. Socrates had a whole host of students and disciples that studied under him. One other notable practitioner, though, is Xenophon, who is another authority on Socrates, much like Plato, where we get a lot of the sources relating to Socrates. Now, Xenophon was known as, just like Socrates, was also a military man and a philosopher, and is known for a whole host of other things. We may talk about him on another episode of the Pocket Theologian, but for now, let's get back to Socrates and let's go ahead and wrap up. Alright, so bringing everything all together then, Socratic philosophy, to summarize it, is no easy task. However, it has several interesting bits and pieces attached to it. The first being that in Socrates' mind, the first purpose of every man, or the primary desire he has, is happiness, or eudaimonia, which in ancient Greek it translates to happiness, but in the Greek conception of it, it was fullness, or fulfillment, basically. So Socrates believed that every man is seeking to be fulfilled, or to fulfill himself. Now, Socrates believed that the only way to really do this is by learning, and through his Socratic method, which is dialogue with one another. We talked about this in the Plato episode, and we deliberately didn't name it, because I wanted to wait till we talked about Socrates himself, and then give it its proper name. So the Socratic method of philosophy is basically dialoguing with one another about different philosophical beliefs. And this tradition still lasts to university campuses and philosophy classes of the world over. Now, another essential element of Socratic philosophy is that the more a person knows, the better a person is. A person fulfills themselves more by learning. While Plato adapted this in his world of forms, for Socrates it was more intellectual in a way. For example, if you know a fire is hot, you won't touch it. Therefore, you know more than, say, another man. You are more fulfilled or more full than another man. If you know a boulder is heavy, you won't hurt yourself lifting it, and so on. Socrates says that the perfect man is the one who knows everything. 
And a lot of uh, Christians like to spin this off and say that Socrates was a Christian before Christ and that he believed that fulfillment was in knowledge and that knowledge allows one to become more and more fulfilled. While I can certainly see why a lot of Christians would hold on to this topic, I cannot say in full conscience that Socrates was a Christian before Christ, since a lot of Socrates' conceptions and ideals about what knowledge and what philosophy were when all over the map in comparison to Christian theology, which is usually pretty solid. So, to be completely honest, I think Socrates was not a Christian before Christ, but I can definitely see why people would wish that he was. Another major note on Socratic philosophy is that Socratic philosophy is meant to produce practical results, not just spin one's wheels or have good conversation. Good philosophy in Socrates' eyes should produce ethical and practical steps. Socrates, like many Greek philosophers, Plato especially, believed that the best leaders should be philosophers. A quote, a quote of Plato says that uh, philosophers make the best kings and something of that sort. Now, what do you listeners think? Do you think that leaders should be the ones who are most introspective and the ones who check themselves the most to see if they're holding up. Feel free to let me know. Now, Socrates' most famous quote is, the unexamined life is not worth living. So let me ask you listeners, are you examining your life? Do you feel like you're fulfilling yourself by learning more? Or do you feel like you're just spinning your wheels, just stuck in another traditional, normal place in life? Now before I go, I do have a quick joke to avail some of this dramatic tension. And that would be, what gym did Socrates go? The why. <laughs> Thank you all for listening. If you felt that I left something out or you want to fact check me on some things, feel free to reach out at poppytheologian at gmail.com. I'm also on Reddit at the Pocket Theologian and on Twitter at the same handle. I'll be back next Saturday. This is the Pocket Theologian signing off. So you made it to the end of the episode. I'm so proud of you. Well, to give you your sneak peek, we're talking about tradition next week, the infamous Catholic doctrine. I look forward to seeing you there. This is the Pocket Theologian signing off for real this time.